Mark. Right. It now works. <laughs> we just prayed for Gaza. And the verse that I've been given, I the resurrection and the life, I'd like you to think about in the context of Gaza, where what we hear about is death. 30,000 people in Gaza. And of course, all those who uh, were killed and taken hostage as well. And it's right at that time we pray for justice and peace. But also at that time, we acknowledge that God is sovereign even over death itself. It's a time of Lent, or at least many churches think of it as Lent. And uh, just before the passage Wendy read, there's a conversation with the disciples. At first, Jesus said he wasn't going to go to Lazarus, Lazarus living just outside Jerusalem. And then he said he was. And the disciples weren't able to understand it. Why go to Jerusalem? For that is a very risky thing to do. And there's people there, Jesus, who want to kill you. And Thomas was one who said, we will go with Jesus, even if we die with him. So they were looking forward to something, but they didn't know what. Something was going to happen in Jerusalem, but at that time they didn't know. A drama was unfolding. And like all good dramas, you watch and watch. And if you haven't seen the last program, which actually reveals everything that's happened, occasionally you say, I want to watch it later. Don't tell me what happened. Don't do any spoilers. So I'm going to do, say a few things, but I must say I'm going to give you a spoiler alert. Like all good dramas, there may be a traitor. And you can get some hints about what's going to happen by what's happening in our churches at this time. For instance, on the 17th of March here, we're going to have messy Easter. What does that conjure up? Mess. Easter eggs on the floor getting trampled. <laughs> Donkeys arriving and leaving their mess. <laughs> Words on the screen not being the same as the words that are being sung here. <laughs> is this what it's all about? Or is there more to it than that? And on the 24th of March, I understand that donkey sanctuaries are being deluged by churches who are saying, can we borrow a donkey for that day? The 24th of March being what we call Palm Sunday. 
And then we're arranging something on the following Thursday, aren't we? A meal together. What's all that about? What part of the story are we talking about there? And the following day, we're going to have a march or a walk down the roads of Alton with some bit of the cross in the front, people walking and people with uh, high-vis jackets trying to keep them in order. What's all that about? And I understand at some stage as well, our friends in the friary are going to have an event called Stations of the Cross. What's all that about? Stations, cross, what? King's Cross? Jerry Cross? Brent Cross? Oh, well, you can get some retail therapy. Is that what it's about? So all the mystery develops as we go into this season. And then on the following Sunday, when we call Easter Day, there's Easter eggs, we finish the hot cross buns, which we may have been eating earlier. We talk about bunnies and chicks and things like that. Rice. So there's a mystery. Now, if you don't want to know the spoiler, I suggest you close your ears now. <laughs> yes, there was a traitor, and his name was Judas Iscariot. And the events of Palm Sunday, yes, Jesus went on a donkey into Jerusalem. And there was the palms and the people singing Hosanna. And it seems that Jesus was going to come in triumph and everything was going to be okay. But then at the Last Supper, and it's called the Last Supper because of the events that occurred the day afterwards when Jesus met his disciples. And it's good that in this, this church we're actually going to celebrate that by having a meal together. And then, of course, on Good Friday, as we walk behind a cross through the streets of Alton, we remember that Jesus died. But the greatest... Notice that Jesus is saying more than I will be raised. Even though... That is what happened. There is more to it than that. Jesus is saying to his disciples that resurrection is part of my very being. Just as that life that comes with the resurrection is part of my being. We know the context of the words, of the words. We know about the death of Lazarus. And Jesus had already said in the passage about the bread of life, and I'm not sure whether we dealt with this when we came to it, but the words he said then is, and this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those he has given me, but raise them up on, at the last day. 
Jesus was addressing people who were mortal beings. And this was also what Paul was doing in Athens. And it is interesting to know that the disciples went around talking so much about the resurrection that when people heard it, they thought, oh, is there a God they're talking about called resurrection? And when Paul went to some of the most intellectual people at the time, they got an impression that there was something strange happening here. We'd like to speak with Paul and find out what on earth he was talking about. What is this God resurrection? What's all it about? And Paul explained to them. And they were a skeptical audience. Some, however, did believe. But others just couldn't take the idea that a man could be raised from the dead because when people are dead, they stay dead, don't they? So what on earth are you talking about, Paul? A man who died and was raised again. And we too will encounter skepticism. It doesn't fit in with our scientific view of thinking that after you die and have been dead for up to three days, that you can live again particularly in the circumstances where we find the crucifixion. But despite the fact that Paul and the apostles knew they would meet skepticism, not only from the intelligentsia, but from others as well, they still went on preaching about the resurrection. And I wonder whether we ourselves should speak more about the resurrection when we speak to others. Maybe a thing to think about. Because we are speaking to people like us whose lives were separated from God. We had our mortal life. And on the other hand, on the other side you can see there's a life in Jesus, a resurrected life. And what happens when we believe? When we believe... That happens. We go into the arms of Jesus. And our lives are no longer mortal lives. They're lives united with Jesus. And they are resurrection lives. And this is a great thing to share with all those we meet. <laughs> Martha had a few questions, you may notice. When she met Jesus, and Jesus talked about, started talking about life, and saying that Lazarus would rise again, she started thinking, maybe about the controversy which was raising at that time. You see, there were several groups in Judaism, and I'll just talk about two. One was the Sadducees. Now, the Sadducees were actually in charge. Most of the high priests, the high priests uh, were, tended to be Sadducees. 
They believed in the first five books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Some people call it the Pentateuch, but you don't need to bother about that. And they said, well, there's nothing at all about resurrection in those passages. By the way, Jesus had something to say about that, and there is. But anyway, they stuck to the line that we believe in the first five books of the Bible, and there's nothing uh, to do with resurrection. When you die, that's it. And then there was another group as well called the Pharisees. The Pharisees were different. They didn't just acknowledge the first five books of the Bible, but they acknowledged the prophecies as well, and also other teachings which the rabbis had mentioned. And that teaching included the idea that on the last day, people would be raised from the dead. And maybe Martha sort of said, I believe the Pharisees are right on this one, not the Sadducees. But also, the fact is in the passage that I've just read, Jesus himself confirmed that people will be raised on the last day. But when he spoke to Martha, Jesus actually brought something else in. Yes, people would be raised in the last day. But there's something else you should note as well. Of course, Jesus was in a way attending a funeral. And funerals weren't quite like they are today. They lasted for quite a long time. And there were people who were mourning um, and weeping about the one who had died. And we continue that sort of practice. If you go to the Anglican Book of Common Prayer, they have something called Burial of the Dead, or they did. And the priest goes forward with the coffin and says those words, I am the resurrection and the life. And I must admit, on the one time I've taken a funeral, that is how I start the funeral as well. Because it is relevant. You're thinking about the person who died and the life that they lived and the faith that they had. And the words, I am the resurrection, the life is very relevant there. So I'm not saying anything wrong about that. Of course, on the darker side, in the past where, where we hung people for murder and other things, we started with the burial service then, and they actually heard the first words, but obviously didn't hear the last. And many people have thought, well, if you are a Christian and you die because of your faith, then there's something special about you, a special life you have. Yes, those people who died in faith do have that assurance. But Jesus was saying, something else all that is true but what I'm talking about is what happens now what he was saying was whoever believes in me will never die 
And they will have that resurrection life within them. You saw what I said, I showed earlier, of leading separate lives. When we believe, we go into the arms of Jesus and we now live united lives. And we don't have to wait for our deaths or for the last day, etc. This is something that's happened now. And what Jesus was saying is, I am the resurrection, not that I will be. This is life for you here and now. When we get together to baptize people, we actually speak about the death and resurrection of Christ. Now, I've asked Andy whether you help me describe all these things. So, Andy, would you like to come forward? <laughs> Firstly, Andy, I know that a lot of people have seen baptism, but just go through, just in case there's somebody who hasn't actually seen a, a, a baptism of a believer in the immersion. What happens? <laughs> what happens? Okay, um, there's usually water involved. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I think to get to get very um, theological, spiritual about it is that the way that the kingdom of God works is is very unique. And so when we, when we come to Christ, there's a sense of we believe. And the believing in Christ has two spaces that we see it operating. So to believe, first of all, you trust in what God has said. But then you follow it up by taking a step to back up what you believe, what you're trusting. And that's faith. And the kingdom of God always works in response to faith. So you believe, and so you trust, you say, yes, I believe that what God has said is true. So in the case of baptism, you're saying, I believe in who Jesus is and in what he has done for me. But the kingdom of God always requires us to take a step of faith because that is what God responds to that we ordinary broken people can trust in what God says he is and will do. Baptism is that step of faith that goes with what we believe. It's that step where we say, let it be, Jesus gives us that prayer, doesn't he, on, on earth as it is in heaven. So there is who God says we are. There is how God sees us in Christ. When we go through the baptism of our waters where we are dead to sin, as Paul will say in Romans 6, and alive to God in Christ Jesus. That's that space where we are almost proclaiming, as God sees me in heaven, so let me be on earth. So, as we lie in the baptistry, Hopefully not for very long. <laughs> there was We're one person who wanted to be there for long. Our death yeah. in Christ. Yeah. Yes, so we are proclaiming what Christ has done. Yeah. We are proclaiming what Christ has done. We are proclaiming the victory of Christ, the death to sin, yeah. and the resurrection power of Jesus. Yeah. Unfortunately, you don't keep them there very long. They can rise up. 
out of the baptistry which speaks about the resurrection of life. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 And I think um, so. Many times we we think about and it's true what you said about how the disciples spoke a lot about resurrection, because many times we 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 can think about what Christ saved us from. But the, the most significant journey that we're on as believers is what Christ saves us for. So what Christ saved us from is our brokenness and our sin and a life without God. And that is significant. That is something to celebrate. But that is only part of the story. That is, like you say, if you only live that side of the story, it's like just staying in the baptismal waters. The most significant part of the journey is what Christ saves us for. And that is relationship with a wonderful God. That is the power of the Holy Spirit. That is a new life. That is transformation. That is glory. And what God saves us for, who Jesus saves us for, is the wonder of the journey. And that's why um, Paul and the other apostles, will, they will talk about baptism of the Holy Spirit, which I'm not going to get into that <laughs> theology this morning. But they would speak about that sense of being alive to God, that that is the most wonderful treasure of all. It's not just the being dead to sin, but it's the being alive to God, that is the most wonderful treasure of all. What would you say to anybody who said, I don't think I know this resurrection life. I don't, I don't think I've been through this experience. What would you say to them now? I think that every, everyone, everyone created, everyone born, everyone who walks the earth, was created to experience resurrection, was created to experience being alive to God. We were created for relationship with God. Without God, there will always feel something missing. And so, I, I, Bill is not here this morning, but I remember Bill sharing his tes- what his testimony, and I think he spoke to, it might have been Tim he spoke to, and he said, he said, I wish there was something like, you know, try it for a few days, and then if it's not working, you can, you can give it back and <laughs> carry on. And, and I think he, Tim said to him, he said, you know, why don't you do that? Why don't you step in? And begin to function like you believe. And sophist, he's not here today, but I think he still believes. Sophist to say, <laughs> <laughs> he never went back. And I think when you take that first step on the journey with Christ into baptism, and when you come alive to the person of God, yeah, it's, it's just the most wonderful, most wonderful blessing. I don't think we've got any baptism plans at the moment, but if anybody wants to be baptized, I assume you'd be delighted to see them. We will be delighted to dunk you in the water. (laughs) Not for too long, don't worry, but yes. Thank you very much, Andy. By the way, we hadn't rehearsed that at all. I didn't know what Andy was going to say. (laughs) 
<laughs> but he's exactly what I hoped he would. Anyway. So that's the illustration of baptism as well. But let's go, let's have a look at something of reality. Many of you I know have been Christians for a long time. I certainly have been. I became a Christian at the age of 14, and I'm now 71. So you can work out the maths there. And sometimes people say, well, I now believe, but do I feel any different? And life is still a struggle. And yes, well, there's many things I do I shouldn't do. Many things I should do, I haven't. Now, in a way, there is a hint in the resurrection of Jesus. If you think of the events after the resurrection, there was something different about him. Why is it that Mary didn't quite recognize him to start with. Why is it that the people on the road to Emmaus didn't quite recognize him? But as soon as they did, they said, yeah, that is Jesus. They did recognize him. There was something the same about Jesus, but there was something different. Not least that he didn't have to bother about opening doors. He could just appear there. And I'm not suggesting that that is part of our resurrection life. We still have to open doors. <laughs> but let us beware of our own perspective. And I know this. I can be very hard on myself. Sometimes I deserve it. Wendy would say I often deserve it. <laughs> but our perspective may be somewhat different from people who see us. I particularly find this out when we have a home group together. Quite often people say, oh, not very good. I can't do what you do. Things are so difficult. I'm not really a very good Christian and all that sort of thing. But we in the group can actually see how God is working in their lives. We can see the resurrection life in people, which they can't. And when we have conversations before the service and after the service, please use the opportunity to say that to people who might say to you, "Ah, oh, I'm not very good, really. Pick out the things which show that God is really working their life. And of course, the... Bible also speaks of the devil, the accuser. The one who's always telling you that you're pretty useless, really, that you're not very good. And remember when you get those thoughts that he is talking about a child of God. And he has no right to say that to a child of God. Yes, we do need, have a need of infilling. Yes, there is a way in which we need to be filled every day. There are more things that we can do. 
We can get closer to Jesus. We can become more like Jesus. And that is all that. Andy, probably wisely, didn't go very much about the baptism of the Holy Spirit because that would probably be in several more minutes. But the truth is there, that the Holy Spirit can make a difference to our lives, and he wants to fill us. A resurrection life is a life that is full of the Holy Spirit. In a Christian's life, all three people of the Trinity, persons of the Trinity come together. There's the desire of the Father that we should worship the Son. And the Father himself has raised Jesus as the firstborn of the dead so that we can have his resurrection life. That a resurrection life is in Jesus. But the power of that resurrection life comes from the Holy Spirit. So in each one of us, all three members of the Trinity are working together to do the will of God. One response, maybe, if God has been speaking to you, is to use what we provide each week. And that's a number of people at the back of the church who are willing and ready to pray with you. So if you're struggling with life, if life does, your life doesn't actually seem to, think, to um, actually embody what you think of resurrection life, there are people who will pray with you. And please use that opportunity. And I did mention also that <laughs> baptism is a good idea. But also, and more important than that, if you're going through a period of unbelief or you've never believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, today would be an excellent day to start on that journey. Amen.